Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Weekly Wrap, Episode 2 for 2024, where we're going to preview the teams that finish 6th to 11th on the points table in 2023, and we'll have a look at what important Supercoach info came from the weekend's trial matches in Trial Week 2. So as I did last week, uh, I'll have a look at the teams and give you my thoughts on how they're looking just for NRL, the NRL season. So just my thoughts on that and a few predictions. And then I'll talk about the Supercoach relevant players in their squad and how they looked in the trials. Righto, we'll kick it off with the 11th place Cowboys. So they just played in a trial match today and the North Queensland side's really looking for a solid turnaround after underachieving last year. Uh, they had a good 2022, um, went deep into the finals. But, yeah, 2023, I think they'd be very disappointed with. I think they've purchased pretty well during the offseason uh, in positions that they needed to. Not big-name purchases, but they do have some players coming through in their system, some excellent young developing players coming through. So I'm tipping them to finish somewhere between 5th and ninth. I think they'll be that bottom of the 8th. Maybe they could... They could miss the eight, but they're a pretty talented squad. In terms of the SC playbook, oh, sorry, the SC relevant players, uh, Scotty Drinkwater. Jeez, he looked good in the trial today. Uh, I heard a stat today. I was listening to uh, a podcast that if you take away goal kicking, Drinkwater was the highest scoring player, um, averaging player in the game last year which is phenomenal really when we don't really put him up there he probably has that stigma in Supercoach from a few years ago where he was uh, rocks or diamonds and he can go low but if you look at his scores um, geez he can go on a massive tear sometimes uh, I finished with him last year and yeah quite amazingly till now I haven't really considered him but as I started to do the breakdown of, of the Cowboys I thought to myself why am I not considering this bloke? You know, we've got, I mean, if you want to go the standard, you're probably going to go Kalen Ponga and Tommy Turbo, but there are a couple of good options around that. And Drinkwater's one of them and probably Tedesco. They are value and they could come out and absolutely explode at the start of the season. So it's definitely something I'm going to take into consideration. So... Yeah, and, and if you look at their run, they've got three of their first five games are against bottom eight teams and four of their first five games are in Queensland. So if they start the way they finish that second trial, I know they were playing uh, against a weakened side there. But they, they could certainly, they're a team that has got plenty of points in them when they get going. When they get momentum on their side, they've got heaps of points and it's generally around drinky. So I think what I'll do is uh, I'll monitor him, see how he's traveling, and just maybe plan to bring him in when I think he's going to go on that tear. But like what I'm talking about, for instance, last year, in between rounds 12 and 21, he played eight games, and the and the Cowboys had their two buyers. So in that 10-week period, he played eight games, and the Cowboys had their two buyers. In those eight games, he averaged 116.5 supercoach points. So we're not talking about a two- or three-game period. Over eight games, like 10 weeks, he averaged 116.5 supercoach point. That is massively elite in my books, and he's not and he's not goal-kicking. 
So in those eight games, just to give you an idea that he's not just beaten up on low teams, they did play the Tigers twice. There was the one where the Tigers flogged them and then they gave the return game where they flogged the Tigers. So there were some big scores in that game. They played Parramatta twice, pretty good side. Manly, Storm, Panthers and Souths. Some quality teams in there. So, yeah, Scotty Drinkwater, he can do it against weak and strong teams. So keep an eye out for him. Val Holmes. So I started with Val Holmes last year and then traded him before he went absolutely berserk around origin time. And I think a lot of people traded him because they weren't really doing much at the start of the year, the Cowboys, but I I loved him as a centre wing who was going to get them solid scores. And he punched out, you know, sort of... Oh, high 40s, 50s, and 60s early in the season, but it's just not good enough when you've got to pay up that much for a player in the centre wing position. He's solid. He's a solid option if you want to go for him in centre wing. I think if you are going to go for him, you do it under the belief that the Cowboys are just going to start on fire, and it's the same with Drinky. So big big scores normally tie in with uh, like big scores – for both of those players, normally tie in with the Cowboys' form period. So, yeah, do your form. See who you think um, they can get big wins against. I probably won't start the season with either just because I think, you know, generally the first three or four weeks are tight. Um, you know, most teams are putting their best foot forward. So I'll have a look and then hopefully find a spot in the year where we can bring both of them in. Semi Valame is a very interesting prospect. Uh he was recruited from Canberra and scored nine tries in nine games on the right wing and effectively kept Kyle Felt out of the side. But then if you have a look at the trials today, I think Felt he scored three tries. He he had a fourth one disallowed and they were just stripping him crazy down that right hand side. I think Drinky's probably got the best left to right pass in the NRL. But it looks like, I mean, from what we saw today, it looks like Kyle Phelps won that spot. So, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't be buying either of them, but I think both of them are pretty decent shouts for uh, top try scorer. You know, what will probably end up happening is Murphy's law is, you know, Phelps will play half the season and then Valame will take over. But I wouldn't be surprised if you combined... At the end of it, if that right wing position had the most tries of of any spot, um, if you broke it down into left wing and right wing in the NRL, I think they're going to be very potent on that right hand side. So close watch on those ones. Uh, Dearden, Robson, Cotter, they're all solid super coach wise, but not sure that they've got that uh, they've got the value that I need, or, or they've got that big upside. Um, Jason Tamalolo, before the trial, I was pretty intrigued by him, but I just had a look at his at his stats, and he's just fallen off a cliff the last three years. He averaged 72.5 in 2020, and then 2021 it was 55.5, 2022 57.5, and, and last year 43. So, like... I mean, he could be a value proposition uh, if he can get back to scoring around 55, 60. Uh, and, but I wasn't impressed by what I saw today. Uh, I, I think I wanted to see how him and Chad Townsend, not from a super coach point of view, but just see how it affected them losing the captaincy. And I wasn't impressed by either of them. So, yeah, it didn't look like he had a high energy, but 
you never know. And also the Cowboys have slightly changed their tactics and they're doing a lot of tip-on passing before the line, which I think will work really well for them. But that probably doesn't suit him as well. So I and and I did rethink, you know, when I watched the trials, I was really impressed with Dearden. I think he's a player that's ascending um, as an NRL player. Whether that converts to uh, really good super coach scores on a consistent basis, I'm not 100% sure. I also thought Cotter was very impressive. And if Peyton does really like Cotter, he brought him into A grade. Um, and I think, you know, Cotter could, could possibly be an option there. Okay, uh, on to the 10th placed Parramatta Eels. And a bit like the Cowboys, the Eels had a disappointing season in 2023 after making the 2022 Grand Final. So I think they're likely to bounce back into the eight, but like the Cowboys, I don't think they're a top four side. So my prediction is the same. It's fifth to ninth. I think they'll finish somewhere between fifth and ninth. Uh, Their roster is fairly stable. They've got some players that are improving. Uh, Dylan Brown's probably the most super coach relevant player on their roster because he is the elite 5'8 super coach in the comp. And he was elite last year despite, you know, the self-inflicted off-field issues that he had to deal with. Uh, and I think that on top of the fact that he's young, he's an ascending player, he's getting better and better every year, and he gets Sean Lane back, who's a big weapon for him. Uh, and he was injured for long periods of the year. Now, if you look at the trial today, you know, you probably, you know, I know there's some super coach scores floating around, and I think he, he got about 25. I'm not sure. I, I end up not watching the last bit of that game, but I wouldn't place too much credence in that. They were going right a lot um, in that game, and, you know, Bryce Cartwright had a blinder, uh, and they were stripping them short of numbers there and, and putting a lot of numbers there. But what I did notice, which probably is a little bit of a concern for Dylan Brown is they that Moses was playing second receiver a lot um, out the back. I think he might have done that a little bit over the last couple of years, but I, I, I'm confident that, you know, as an option, you know, you're going to get what you pay for for Dylan Brown in the 5'8 position, and he's be, he's better than most of the players there. Maybe Munster can match him, maybe did and makes that jump, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly keen to start off the year with uh, Dylan Brown. I think he's got that upside. So, yeah, Dylan Brown will be in my side. Sean Lane, uh, I mentioned him with Dylan Brown. I think he's a value proposition just because when we talk about value propositions, looking at players that um, are undervalued uh, for whatever reason, like, you know, for Sean Lane, you know, he was in and out of the side with injury last year, injury affected scores, affect his average, affect the way he was priced up this year. But I certainly think he's he's a value proposition. He'll be in a lot of sides, but I think he's one of those players you've just got to lock into your side. Um, if we know he's healthy and he can average, he, he can definitely average 65 plus like he did in, in 2022. So he's a lock for my team. Uh, my only other interest is really... Well, before the trial game, it was really in the hooker position. So Hans and Lussick just split game time there. Obviously, if Arthur breaks the mould of what he's done the last few years and actually names a hooker on the bench, you can forget both of them. Um, if he goes with an 80-minute hooker, 
I doubt that either of them will average over fifty, but they're both priced. Oh, I think I think Lussick might be the the low three hundred Ks and and um, Hands might be like a little bit higher. He might be around three fifty. So they do present some value in a tough position, but neither of them are really appealing to me um, over a long period of time. I just yeah, I, I don't really think that I'm going to look at either of them. What The player who did catch my eye, like there was probably a couple from the Eels, but I don't know with the, my strategy of setup whether I'll be able to bring in either of them, but I thought Cartwright was really good. He's been a gun in the past. We know he can do it. He started. He was offloading. Uh, possibly he just found a weak left edge, you know, four and wasn't there in defense and the young, the young kid was there and, um, and that. But, yeah, I... I, I I don't want to overstate the trials, but he certainly looked really good, Bryce Cartwright, and I thought um, Jermaine Hopgood looked really good as well. So it comes down to minutes. So, again, Cartwright's going to play 80 minutes most likely. Um, but if if uh, Brad Arthur was to change his tactics and maybe go for a utility or a, or a 14 that was a, a hooker, then that's going to free up more minutes for the middle players. And Campbell Gillard and Junior Paul, I probably have, you know, a ceiling around that 50 to 55-minute mark of how many minutes they can play. So, you know, Hopgood can play big minutes. And um, if he gets an upgrade in his minutes, he could be uh, he could be a player to bring in. Okay, on to another major disappointment. So same theme for these as the last two teams uh, from last year. And it was how the Rabbitohs finished the season after leading the comp probably, I think it was round 13, just before the halfway mark of the, of the season. Somewhere around there, it was just a dramatic drop-off. And from that, you've got a lot of questions, you know, and they probably still remain. They'll remain until the team comes out and starts winning. Um, questions around the group dynamic. Uh, and the coach and the team leaders, you know, the stuff that happened with Sam Burgess um, and, you know, reportedly he challenged a few players and they didn't like it or, you know, he felt like Demetrio had lost, you know, a bit of power to the senior playing group and wasn't calling them to account. They're not really positive whispers coming out of there. They could have been BS, you know, you never know. This sort of stuff comes out of clubs, particularly when they're losing. It's certainly given them some questions to answer on the field. I mean, on paper, they're a top four side every day of the week. And, but there's a bit of a, yeah, there's just a bit of a smell there from last year and the way it, it, it finished that, that something's off. Yeah, I'm going to say, it, it, I'm going to say they're one of the toughest ones. So I've got a fair range here, but I'm going to say they could finish anywhere from fourth to ninth. Um, obviously, if they finish ninth, then, you know, the coach will probably be looking for another job, you know, barring like a massive spate of injuries or something. Uh, but I think they're just too good to not make the eight, but then I'm not confident that um, they're going to have the players on the field to finish for a second or third. So, yeah, I have a fair bit of interest in in the Rabbitohs super coach wise. I think they're, they're a pretty interesting side. I don't think I'll entertain Latrell this year, but I can understand why teams would because he didn't really have an up season. Um, so in that respect, if you feel like he's going to come back with a good preseason, then 
you know, it, it, it does stand a reason that he's going to be better. Uh, Cody, Campbell Graham, and Damian Cook, uh, they're either start. Well, I mean, Campbell Graham, he's out for 20 weeks or something like that. Um, Cody and, and Damian Cook are under injury clouds, so I'm going to stay, steer clear of them um, at this stage. I want to see what it looks like uh, with South Sydney when, when they start the season. I want to see what they look like there. Cam Murray's a solid option. He's honest as the day is long, but I don't see major value or upside in him because their pack is so strong. And you've got like basically a clone of him in Talis Duncan that's going to jag a bench spot. That brings us to Talis Duncan. He's just a close watch for mine and definite trade in if he, you know, if Murray gets hurt and he takes over some of those minutes or if they do something radical like move Murray into the front row and, you know, play those two players together. But at this stage, I feel like it's just he's taken up the time that there might be some small overlap, but. You know, he's just going to take up the time that Cam Murray's not on the field. Davi Mowali is a player that interests me a lot. Um, I think if he could get his minutes up to 40 minutes, yeah, he'd be a great cheapy front row forward. He, he really, they've really nursed him into first grade over these first couple of years. He, he doesn't play much time at all around the 20 to 25 minute mark. And, I'm not sure if that's his fitness. I, like, I feel like he's got bigger minutes in him and possibly they could come this year. I'm not really sure. Um, there is a lot of mouse to feed at South Sydney, but I'm, I'm probably not going to start with him, but he's a player that I'm going to keep an eye on. Tyrone Munro, he's unfortunately injured, I think, from reports. I don't think he's going over to Las Vegas, so that's what I've read. Um, I really liked him. I, I was set to start him as a center wing option. Just electric speed, um, you know, he's got errors in him, but he's also got some high-scoring super coach games for sure. So, obviously, South heading over to Las Vegas, they only really had one main trial, and they were fairly dominant against the lackluster Dragons side. They just beat him up through the middle. Um, even though Cody Walker, Damian Cook, and Latrell didn't play, so it's hard to make much of it there. Um, and that's why, I'm, even though I am very interested in some of these South players, probably going to end up not starting with any of them, but keeping a close eye on them. Okay, on to the Canberra Raiders, who made the top eight in 2023. Just let that sink in. I'm not sure that we've uh, given Ricky Stewart enough credit for being able to squeeze everything out of that side last year because they were not a top eight side, so... Full credit to him. Uh, now in 2024, they front up without their marquee franchise player that they thought was going to be there for life. So Jack White, and he's off to South. And there's probably very little big-name recruitment that they've had for this season. Um, like I, when I wrote this up, it was before I saw the second trial. So I, I don't want to put too much into trial form, but... I was thinking they would finish 10th to 15th, but like they were definitely the most impressive side by a long way in terms of like what my expectations were as to what they would what they would be really like in real life, um, the way they trolled. Um, I, yeah, I just I, I, they've got a lot of young players, but but in saying that, they put a lot of time into them too, and I think they're really well, really, really well coached. They come with that siege mentality. They're very physical. 
Um, they've got a chip on their shoulder and, you know, you're going to have to go there and win the game against them. That's the biggest thing. They make you beat them. And for that reason, I do think they're Smokies for the eight. So I've pushed them up a little bit to that eighth position. I mean, they could finish as low as 15th because, like, in my head, I just didn't think they had the depth in that. But the way those young players played over the last two games, I'm starting to think, oh, maybe they do have that depth. I mean, they, they have probably one of the most, oh, what word would you use for it? They don't have a big-name spine at all. I mean, the fullback, you know, Rappin is probably going to start there. They've got Savage there. They've got Chevy Stewart. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's probably going to be Seb Chris, and he did a job last year. Um, the halves, yeah, Jamal Fogarty, more of a journeyman, got into the league after dominating at Queensland Cup for a lot of years. And, you know, he's probably a, he's probably a, uh, a game manager, you'd say, to get him around the park. And then the 5-8 role, well, I mean, all the talk was that KO Weeks had won that before this second trial, but I, I don't know how you could put him in front of Ethan Strange. Throw in the mix that Strange has, you know, dropped a bloke on his head and could be out for one to two weeks with a suspension. And yeah, it's it's clear as mud at the Raiders. But either way, like the way they trial, they just seem to have this procession line of of um, forwards who are tough, mobile, and just turn up. Like, oh, I'm very impressed with the Raiders. And oh, like I say, you don't want to get too carried away with trial form because you you got to go out there and do it in a game. And they still lack that probably top-end quality in key positions. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to write them off. I, I think, you know, they're just going to fight and scrap and they could make the eight there. So we'll see what happens. Morgan Smithies, the new Pommy recruit, he didn't do anything wrong. Um Interesting. I'll just have a look at what he got there in the Supercoach score. Yeah, so Smithy's 25 there for Supercoach, 20 tackles, not a lot of runs, but he looks rock solid. And some of the commentary coming out of it was that they got a massive opinion of him. So we'll see what happens. He might be he might be a, um, a cheap option there that could earn us some money. Okay, on to the seventh-placed Roosters. Uh, they're next on the preview, and I think they're poised for a big year. So with Coach Trent Robinson making a fast start the priority this year, so it's a bit of a change of strategy. Um, so he's made that a point of emphasis for the team, as opposed to previous years where I feel like they've almost gone out there I could give you the analogy of a, of a horse race. Like they've just flopped out of the gates um, into last position and then just sort of grinded away and made their way up to the top of the field, you know, coming towards the end and finished, you know, finished in a position, position there. But, uh, you know, that's generally how they set up their seasons, um, the Roosters. So this will be different. This 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 will be interesting to see. Like the first five weeks, if they come out hard, then that's definitely going to have implications for Supercoach and some of the players they have there. They just have such a strong list with heaps of depth in almost all the positions. So my prediction is they finish first to fifth, um, but most likely I think they'll finish top four. I think it's hard to see them not finishing top four. 
having a look at the Supercoach relevant players, Connor Watson's an interesting one. Um, hasn't had much discussion there. He's priced at a discount at 375k. He's a close watch for mine. Just just not sure what positional role he'll have. Um, if he was to say in a perfect world get 20 to 25 minutes at hooker uh, when Cheese went off and 20 to 25 minutes as a as a running middle forward, I think he'd be a great pickup for owners. You know, and it's possible. Cheese is not an 80-minute player, and Radley does have rest during games. He normally plays around that 70-minute mark, but and they do have some good middle forwards. So I think, yeah, Connor Watson's a close watch. He's not been talked about much. He's going to be a pod. Um, I'm not going to get him from the start, but I'm going to keep an eye on him because I think he'll be there 14. Uh, the other three three players that interest me a lot is James Desco. Uh, I'm pretty convinced he'll he'll improve on 2023, so therefore he's he's good value. Uh, but you have to give up one of your fullback spots for him, obviously. Dom Young, he's starting with that neck injury, but um, yeah, I think on the end of that back line, he's going to be pretty good. I've seen what he done in Newcastle. Newcastle are a good side, but geez, the Roosters, he's going to get some good ball there. So at some stage, I could see Dom Young being in my side, probably not to start the season and Sam Walker he's kicking goals which is important particularly if the sides win and big if they start fast early and they take them on and you know it's not all about defense as it has been in previous years then yeah Sam Walker's going to kick some goals and you know he's a good attacking player he's improved immensely as a player he had to go away for a period of time work on his defense work on his goal kicking and he did that to his credit He's gone away and, you know, he's come back a more uh, solid player, you know, rather than sort of being able to do all the flashy things. Um, he's more patient, which is good for half his age. You know, he's, he's really learned a lot in that period, and I think you'll see it this year. Um, you know, I don't think the last couple of years that they were ever really a legitimate chance of winning the comp because Walker wasn't that far progressed in his in his development. Uh, to be a halfback in a premiership winning side, so yeah, I was impressed with like I was impressed with their one main trial. Not so much what they did in it, but just their intent. You know, they look like they were fit. They look like they were ready to go. Whereas normally, what you associate with the Roosters the last few years is they don't treat the trials with a lot of respect. They sort of come out in round one and two, and it's like they're a chance of getting rolled. I think last year they got rolled, the big upset by the Dolphins and and that, and that doesn't worry them. Like they've always been a little bit, I guess, arrogant like that. They feel like, you know, they're going to be good around the right time of the year, and maybe it was a bit of a wake-up call last year when they had such a slow start and they finished seventh. They should have, you know, probably finished further up. In the trials, probably the last thing I'd say is Teddy looked very good, very, very good. So if you want to, like I said, if you want to go away from Ponga or Turbo or one of them, I think you should be looking at Drinky or Teddy. They'd be the two options that I'd be looking at. Right, on to the last of my team previews for this podcast, and it's the Cronulla Sharks, who finished in sixth position in 2023. Look, I'm going to put this simply. Uh, my young fella, my youngest lad, he is a Cronulla Sharks fan, so um, he wouldn't be happy to hear this. But I do believe strongly that the Cronulla Sharks are a top eight side, but I don't believe they can win the comp. 
I have a strong belief that they can't win the comp with Nico in the front line as half. Um, that may sound very harsh because Nico Hines is an outstanding player. He's got a lot of good attributes in his game. But I feel like every year that they play Nico in the halves um, is probably a missed opportunity for him. I feel like he's a fullback. Like, uh, you know, that's probably not a common, uh, a common train of thought shared. I think, like, maybe that's a bit harsh. Like, maybe you know, the coaches believe that because he played fullback for so long that he can continually continue to improve. But my two biggest issues with his game is defensively he can get found out. Now, that that can happen to a lot of halves, so that's probably not the biggest thing. But I just feel like against the quality teams, he's too lateral. You know, he's too lateral. Um, he will have success against them, and he's, he's an unbelievable super coach player, unbelievable. So this is nothing to do with Supercoach. This is just pure NRL. Um, I just feel like against those top-end teams, one of the reasons why they're consistently not winning against them is because Nico plays too laterally, too sideways. So anyway, that's just my belief. Um, We'll see what happens. They'll probably probably throw egg in my face this year. But uh, my prediction is for them, they've got an unbelievable draw, unbelievable draw. Um, I think they'll finish fifth to ninth. Um, and probably go out in the first two weeks of the finals. So that's the Sharks in 2024. So on to the super coach. But Nico Hines has to be probably one of the first players picked. Um, just having a look at that draw, you know, Nico's made for super coach. Uh, they've got the Warriors first up. I don't like. I think he, you know, he he never really goes that low, but he could get low in that game. I think the Warriors are shaping up pretty well, but. Um, the next two games after that are pretty enticing. Um, you know, you watch so many games and you just think, oh, Nico really hasn't done that much and he's accumulated 50 Supercoach points at halftime without breaking a sweat. So, And one of the things he loves, he loves beating up on bottom eight teams. Uh, not necessarily they might not be in the bottom eight when he played them, but like looking at the bottom eight teams when he played them um, last year, so Nico, so looking at Nico, he scored ninety five plus in eleven games last year. Nine of those games were against teams that didn't end up making the top eight. So bottom eight teams, like they might not have been bottom eight at the time that they played them, you know, throughout the year. But if you look at the bottom eight teams from last year, they were the teams that he excelled against. So uh, five of the Sharks' first eight games are against. 2023 bottom eight teams. Now that doesn't always correlate because those teams might be top. They might be top eight teams. Some of them this year, but five of eight of them, yeah, it's not too bad. Two and two against the Raiders. So um, if you don't think the Raiders are going to go that well, then yeah, like Nico could have a pretty good start to the year. Okay, enough said. Lock Nico in. Uh, given that draw, I think it's fair play to say a Britain Nakora. Um, like if you wanted to get him um, and just hope he has that attacking upside, uh, maybe you might even want to get an outside back from the Sharks. I couldn't name which one. I mean, it'd be a personal preference. But, I, you know, I, I can't pick one. They all they all have good games and they don't, don't seem to be a real standout there. They go on runs. Trindle I'm not sold on just because of how ball-dominant Hines is. If I was getting Trindle, I'd I'd be anti-potting Hines 
and leaving him out. That's how strongly I feel about it. I think like if you've got some inside information that they're going to peel back Heinz's game and it's going to be handed over some of it to Trindle, then you should probably be anti-potting Heinz and, and leaving him out of your side. And I'm not recommending that because I'm going to have to see him peel back that involvement and I've heard nothing about it and it would be very unnatural for him to do that. They'd have to revamp the whole style of play that they've got the Sharks, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. So, therefore, like, with that, I, I don't think Trindle's a play. Um, yeah, the trials were a bit funny because a lot of them played in the All-Stars, but I thought Hines and Nakora trialed reasonably well in the All-Stars, and they're the two players that I'd be interested in. Okay, that uh, brings us to the end of the team previews for this week. Uh, just a reminder, like I did last week, if you're keen to join an overall cash comp this year, I'm running it, $50 entry. We've got about 20 so far. So if you're keen, just message me on the WhatsApp. Okay, we'll have a look at my five players from Trials Week 2. Okay, these are the five players to watch from Trials Week 2. So the first one I had was Thomas Flegler. He was offloading. Uh, there's a possibility of increased minutes with that, uh, sadly, that injury to Gilbert. Um, you know, he could possibly move into a lock position. So if he can get that upswing in minutes and he's offloading like that and providing that second phase, yeah, I don't mind him. He's got a bit of tackle breakability as well, Tom Flegler. So I'm tossing up starting with him. Taylor May. Look, he's just a lock. Lock him into your super coach side. I am. Um, after what I seen in the World Club Challenge this morning, the only question mark is if Taruva's out, then Peachy goes inside him, which is probably going to hurt him attacking-wise because Peachy doesn't like passing. But, geez, tackle breakability, just explosive. Um, yeah, I was really impressed with Taylor May, and he's coming in for me. He's a serious value proposition. Third player was probably a bit unknown, um, Tristan Powell. He played for the Melbourne Storm. He caught my eye just as an interchange player. For one, he caught my eye, like what he was doing named in the 17 um, for the Storm trial in Fiji. And then when he came out there, he was pretty impressive. He only had a small sample size, but I thought he did what he had to do as a middle forward. It's hard to know where everyone fits into that storm side, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bolter like that named because, you know, Bloor didn't pay, play much time. I mean, Howarth had the All-Stars, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, you, then you got Powell, who's a middle forward, and then you got Kane Bradley, who seems to, you know, seem to get a lot of time. And he, you know, possibly, like, could Kane Bradley start as an edge forward over Jack Howarth, the bloke they signed for five years on Massive Coin? Or, or Sean Bloor, yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of hard to know. It seems like they've got Lairo who's moved into the middle. So, yeah, Kane Bradley could be the cheapie that we're looking for. But, yeah, Tristan Powell, just, just keep an eye out for him. He might get named and, you know, he might be a slow burn there. Uh, fourth player to watch, Ethan Strange. He was outstanding. I know that all the mail coming out of Canberra is that, the 5 is going to be KO weeks, and that was before that trial. But I can't see how they, like I said earlier in the in the podcast, I cannot see how they could not finish, start um, Ethan Strange with the way he played. He had Helam Luke, he is an absolute beast running at him. 
for the majority of the game, and he handled him on both shoulders. So left, he ran at his inside shoulder, he ran at his outside shoulder, and he's not overly big, strange, but he made some really good tackles. And compared to the defense that I've seen from KO Weeks, I'd be picking Ethan Strange every day of the week. Of course, what Murky's award is there is the match review committee. He did uh, put his hand between a player's legs and tipped him onto his head. It wasn't outrageously bad, but given how strict they've been on that, I think he'll get one to two weeks depending on what his record's like. I imagine it's probably clean, so hopefully that gets him off. But, yeah, I think Ethan Strange is just a player that's going to be in my squad uh, regardless. I can only I can see that only suspension will stop him from being in that Raiders side in, in week one, but could be wrong been wrong before fifth and last player now i want to just before i name this player, i want to say zach labert was pretty impressive i thought and then i had a look at his um price and i realized oh he's not really a value proposition because he's priced at around 45 to 48 i think um average and that's based on a couple of big games he had where he scored a few tries last year so for me, I've just put a red pen through him at this stage. I don't think he's going to be a player that's going to come out in a center wing position and average, you know, 55, 60, which would make him a serious value proposition in a center position. But yeah, it, it, he, um, he's got some ability, he might say. I, th- I think uh, job security is an issue for him as well because Vailami Vailia, I don't think I've got that right. But yeah, the lad who came from um, from the Warriors. Yeah, you know, he he's got plenty of ability as well. So we'll see what happens there. But the fifth and last player is Thomas McKayley. Now, he was just unbelievable. He came on and really sparked the 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 Cowboys. Well, the first offload that he threw was a bit of a speculator. Hit the ground and then they scored a try off off the back of it. So that wasn't really that impressive. But he threw a few offloads, broke some tackles, scored a try, then scored another try, um, and basically just looked hungry and. Given the fact that Cohen Hess, well, I think it was Cohen Hess, looked like he did a bit of an injury to his knee. It was a knee clash injury. So um, probably be question mark over him for round one. McKaylee might have just played him way, his way on to, into a bench spot, um, you know, because that's probably the biggest knock on some of the Cowboys forwards is they don't have that uh offload in their game and that finesse with the middle forwards. So yeah, I think um Thomas McCauley might be a good shout as a cheapy front row forward. Okay, thanks for listening to this week, episode two for trials week two of the SC Playbook Weekly Wrap. Next Sunday I'll be previewing the remaining five teams and that's the top five from 2023. And that's the Knights, Warriors, Storm, Broncos and Panthers. So I'll tell you my thoughts on them and where they'll finish. And I'll also uh, I'll also have, have a bit of a preview of the two Las Vegas games. Um, before I go, my last piece of advice, because, you know, some people will be finalizing their teams, is just remember that it's effectively a two-week rolling lockout. So you can keep your options open and plan for it. Uh, obviously, you've got to set the players – um, that you want in your squad for Broncos, Manly, South, and Roosters, but you can keep your options open. Like um, if you've got that spare money, you can make a lot of changes depending on how many 
um, players in those four teams you have in your squad. So keep your options open, waiting for that second team list Tuesday for not round zero, but round one. And uh, yeah, I'll see you next week.